Well, as I mentioned uh, earlier in our service, today is the day of Pentecost in the church year. And uh, Pentecost was originally a festival in ancient Israel that was sometimes called the Festival of First Fruits or the Feast of Weeks. But what makes Pentecost significant for us today is what happened on that particular festival shortly after Jesus ascended into heaven, which is what we heard about in our scripture reading uh, from Acts 2 that, that Kai read for us, that the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus' disciples in tongues of fire and as a wind rushing through their, their gathering place. And, and the Spirit, as it, as it filled these disciples, it gave them boldness to begin proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. They, and they did it in, in different languages that, that the Spirit enabled them to do, but, but it gave them boldness through the Spirit. So Pentecost, it reminds us of the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. And the passage that I decided to preach on today is actually a text from the Old Testament that points ahead to what we see in Acts 2 and what the New Testament teaches us about the work of the Holy Spirit. And, and this passage in the Old Testament is a strange and a powerful text that it comes from the prophet Ezekiel. And my sermon title today gives us a little bit of a window into what this text is all about, which is breathing life into dry bones. Breathing life into dry bones. We're going to look at what God teaches the prophet Ezekiel through this vision that he gives him of this valley of dry bones and what it says about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. So our text today is Ezekiel chapter 37, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath. In them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the sovereign Lord says Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them, 
They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, O my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you, and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we are amazed at, at this passage of that you, this vision that you gave to Ezekiel, and we pray that just as you were speaking through Ezekiel to the people of Israel, that you would speak through your living word to our hearts today, how you were wanting to apply this word to us. Speak, Holy Spirit, move among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Today I want to just look at two main ideas that we see in this passage The first is just taking a look at this actual valley of dry bones and what that vision, what that image symbolizes, what it represents. And then second, to look at how how God, what God does to these bones, how God breathes new life into these dry bones and what that meant for Israel and then what it means for us. So first, let's look at the valley of dry bones. Uh, Verse 1 describes the Lord bringing the prophet Ezekiel to this valley, this valley of dry bones. And, you know, this this vision that God gives to Ezekiel here is one of many visions, actually, that he gives to Ezekiel. Uh, He gives many different visions throughout this book, and Ezekiel, just to kind of give a little background on who this prophet was and what he was doing, um, Ezekiel, he ministered as a prophet actually not in Israel, but in the nation of Babylon. Ezekiel ministered after the nation of Israel had been exiled to the nation of Babylon. The Babylonian Empire had conquered Israel. They had taken the people, brought them to Babylon. And so Ezekiel was this prophet who was ministering to the exiles as they were in Babylon. And so as Ezekiel is speaking to these exiles, God gives him this vision, this vision of a valley of dry bones. There you get a a picture that kind of represents this this, this image that that Ezekiel saw. And as you can see here, they're, they're human bones. These aren't animal bones, they're they're human bones, and, and Ezekiel notices that there are a great many bones in this valley. Uh, later on in the passage, God refers to them as these slain. So the bones seem to be remains of those who were killed, who had been slain in battle. And, and the bones are described as very dry, which means that they've been lying there for a long time, that the people who, whose remains they are 
have been dead for a long time. One of the commentaries that I was reading this past week highlighted the fact that these bones, they're just lying out there exposed to the elements rather than having been buried properly. And especially in that culture, this was a shameful thing. You know, you, you had to bury someone who had died in a, in a proper kind of way, but th these bones are just scattered out in the valley. And this commentator remarked that, that what this image points to is actually one of the curses that God had given in the covenant when he made this covenant with Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy 28, God warns the people of Israel. He says, if you break my covenant, if you worship these other gods, if you don't obey me, there are going to be curses that are going to come upon you. And one of the curses is in Deuteronomy 28, verses 25 to 26, that says, the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. Your carcasses will be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth and there will be no one to frighten them away. And this, what, what Deuteronomy speaks about, seems to be exactly what has happened to these slain ones in the valley. That they were killed, and instead of being properly buried, they were left to be eaten by buzzards and beasts, and now all that is left is their bones just lying there. So who are these ones who had been slain, these ones who, whose remains are these dry bones? Well, in verse 11, God reveals who these bones represent. He says to Ezekiel, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So these cursed, dry bones scattered in the valley, not given a proper burial, they are meant to represent Israel, not just Israelites who had been killed in battle with the Babylonians, which there were some who had been, but, but, he, but it, God tells Ezekiel they represent the whole house of Israel, which included also the exiles in Babylon who Ezekiel was living among. And so this valley of dry bones, they're, they're not really about the people who had been literally killed in a battle in a valley, but, but they are speaking more deeply, metaphorically, about the whole house of Israel, including the exiles in Babylon. And so what is, what is the deeper truth that, that God is wanting to communicate to his people, to the people of Israel through this vision? Well, the reason that the Israelites had been exiled to Babylon was because they had not kept the covenant, the covenant that we read about in Deuteronomy. They had worshipped other gods. They had not obeyed the Lord, and, and God had given them prophet after prophet, warning them about the judgment that was coming, but they kept sinning. They kept disobeying God. God had been very patient with them, but finally he brought the consequences that he warned them about. Babylon conquered them and carried them off to exile. And so just like the cursed bones in this vision were the result of breaking of the covenant, God is saying to his people that, that the people of Israel, they had experienced those same curses that God had warned them about for breaking his covenant. They were dry bones because of their disobedience. 
And the people living in exile, they felt this. They felt like they had been rejected by God. They felt like they were dry bones. Because the rest of the verse 11 quotes the people where it says, they say our bones have dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. The exiles who had been judged, who had been let off, they felt like they had been rejected. They had been abandoned. They had no hope. They lost their land. The temple had been destroyed. They were cut off. And they must have wondered, was this it? Had God forsaken his people? Had he just, was he just going to abandon them there in Babylon and, and that was going to be it? Can you relate at all? To these exiles? You know, maybe you sort of had a plan of, of the way that you thought your life was going to go, but then something disrupted it, and, and now you wonder, is there, is there any hope left? Maybe you got a difficult medical diagnosis, or you lost a loved one, or you lost your job, or you're worried about the state of our country, or, or things just seem to be falling apart all around you, and, and you wonder, where are you, God? Have you abandoned me? Am I just cut off from you? Maybe you feel dry, like those dry bones, dead, hopeless, cut off from God. Some of you, maybe, maybe you're not feeling that way. Maybe, maybe you can't really relate to the exiles right now. Maybe your external circumstances are actually pretty good. You know, you're, you're, you're feeling okay, but even if that's true, the Bible declares that all of humanity is actually represented in the valley of dry bones. That even if your circumstances are good, that spiritually, you and I, we're that. We're dry bones. You see, it's not just Israel who disobeyed God's law and worshiped other gods, each and every one of us is guilty of the same thing. We've all disobeyed God's law. We've all decided to, to go our own way and not obeyed God fully. We've all turned to things for fulfillment in our lives other than God. That's worshiping someone other than God. And just as Israel deserved the consequences they received for breaking God's covenant, being exiled away from their land, guess what? You and I, we deserve to receive the consequence of God's judgment for our sin, that we deserve to be exiled away from God forever. We deserve to be cursed. When we look at that valley of dry bones, we see what we deserve for our sin. We see what we are apart from the grace of God. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, we read, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. The Apostle Paul does not say you were wounded in your transgressions and sins. You know, you, you need to do just a little bit better next time you can make up for your sin if you try hard enough. No, no, no. He says, 
we are dead in our sins. There's no hope in ourselves. We are dry bones kind of dead. And so when God asks Ezekiel in verse 3, Son of man, can these bones live? We would expect the answer to be, no way. Of course not. Don't you see how, how dry they are? Don't you see how dead they are? How in the world could these dry bones live? But that's not how Ezekiel responds. Instead, he says, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Ezekiel knows that the God who he's speaking to in this moment, that this God created the entire universe from nothing. That this God formed a man out of the dust of the earth and breathed life into him. That this God brought life into the dead womb of Abraham's wife, Sarah. Ezekiel knew that God, anything is possible with him. O sovereign Lord, you alone know. It's in your hands, God, what you will do with these dry bones. So let's look at what God does with this valley of dry bones. Let's look at how the Spirit breathes life through the Word. Because that's what we see in this passage. That these dry bones, where it seems like there's no hope, that the Spirit breathes life through the Word. After Ezekiel tells God, you alone know, to the question of whether these bones could live, God actually tells Ezekiel to do something. In verse 4, God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. God tells Ezekiel to preach to some bones. Can you imagine that? Preaching to a valley of bones? I mean, I have to say, as a preacher, it is, it is hard sometimes to preach to an audience where you don't feel like they're really responding to you. You know, you're, you're wondering, are, are people actually paying attention? Are they connecting? And when you see some people falling asleep, oh man, that's rough. That's rough. You know, during, during this time of COVID, when we weren't meeting in person, preaching to that camera, it was rough because I wasn't getting any responses from, from the congregation. But, but that's nothing compared to Ezekiel, because Ezekiel's preaching to bones. <laughs> He's getting no response, or at least you think so, right? But when Ezekiel speaks the word of the Lord to these bones, guess what happens? Something happens. The word of the Lord is powerful. It's powerful to wake up sleeping people. It's powerful to breathe life into dead. It is powerful even to raise these bones up from the dead. Verses 7 and 8 say, As I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them. These bones form into skeletons. And then the skeletons 
begin to be covered with muscle and tendon and flesh and skin. But they're not alive yet. Because the end of verse 8 says, there was no breath in them. Now, the Hebrew word that is translated breath here is the word ruach. Ruach. Isn't that a great word? <laughs> and the word ruach, it can actually be translated different, different ways. Sometimes in the Old Testament, ruach is translated breath. Sometimes it's translated wind. Sometimes it's translated spirit. This Hebrew word is, is, is a complex and deep word that can actually mean any of those things. Breath, wind, or spirit. And so, there is no breath in them. In other words, there is also no spirit in them. There is no ruach in these bodies. There's no life, no breath, no spirit. And so what does God do? Once again, he gives some instructions to Ezekiel. In verse 9, he says, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. God tells Ezekiel, speak God's word to the ruach, to the wind, to the breath, to the spirit. And the word of the Lord tells this breath, this spirit, to breathe life into these lifeless bodies so they may live. And what happens when Ezekiel prophesies to the breath? Verse 10 says, So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. The Ruach entered the bodies, and they came to life. How did this happen? The word that Ezekiel preached along with the Ruach, the Spirit, breathed life into these dead bodies and they lived. And guess what, brothers and sisters? This picture we get in Ezekiel is exactly how God works today in our lives. God's Word and His Spirit working together, are able to breathe new spiritual life into dry, dead people. Dead people cannot raise themselves. Spiritually, we cannot give life to ourselves. Our only hope is to hear the word of the Lord and the Spirit work through it to give us life. This is how a person comes to faith in Jesus for the very first time. As they hear the word of God preached, the Holy Spirit breathes life into them through that word, creating faith in their heart. You know, over the past couple months, Pastor Brandon and I have been leading a baptism class with some of our youth and a couple of adults in our, in our congregation. And last Sunday was the final class. And a few of the participants in this class shared their testimonies during that class. They spoke about how they had come to faith in Jesus or how Jesus was working in their lives. And one of the testimonies spoke about how this person had come to faith through hearing God's word preached in our Sunday service. 
And as the person began reading the Bible for themselves, guess what? The Word preached and the Spirit moved and breathed life into that person's heart. On the day of Pentecost, what happened? The Holy Spirit filled those disciples and gave them boldness to proclaim the Word of God. And Peter preached a sermon about Jesus. And what happened? The Spirit moved through the Word that Peter preached. And more than 3,000 people became believers and were baptized that day. You think bones coming together and, and flesh and skin coming on to some corpses, you think that's miraculous? Guess what? It's just as miraculous that God can take spiritually dead people like you and me and people around us and breathe life into them and bring them from death to life. That's a miracle. That is not something that you or I can do. It is something that only God can do. But it is what God does through his word. In Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 5, the apostle Paul says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. If you are here today and you are trusting in Jesus for your salvation, I want you to know that's a miracle. That's a miracle. We have nothing to do with that. It is God's work to bring us to faith. It is a miracle that God takes spiritually dead people like you and me and makes us alive with Christ. And he does it as the Spirit breathes life through the Word. Now, near the end of this passage, God tells Ezekiel that he's going to do something like this to the people of Israel. He tells Ezekiel, now he's been prophesying to bones, he's been prophesying to the, to the wind, to the breath, and now he says, I want you to prophesy to Israel and say to them, O oh, my people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. And so God is saying that, that he's going to breathe new life into these exiles too. That the ones who had been rejected by God, who had had to leave their land, who felt cursed, who felt like God had abandoned them, who had left them. He says, no, no, no. God hasn't left them. God is going to bring them back to their land. He's going to put his spirit in them and they will live. That exile in Babylon is not the end of the story for Israel. And guess what? No matter what you are going through in your life right now, where you may feel like you are in exile, you may feel like you are just living in this valley of dry bones, it is not the end of the story for you either. God has the power to breathe new life 
into whatever situation you're in. He can bring healing to you. He can open a new path forward to you. He can bring reconciliation to that relationship that feels like it's hopeless. Nothing is impossible for God. And even if God doesn't change your circumstances, because he doesn't always, does he? Even if he doesn't give you exactly what you want, he still wants to breathe new life into you through his word. Because that new life that he wants to give you, it's not just a one-time thing when you first accept Christ and, and then it's, that's it. No, no, no. He wants to breathe new life into you again and again and again and again and again and again and again every single day. He wants to do it through his word in your life. It happens as we hear the word of the Lord and as the Spirit works in it to bring new life to us. Over the past couple months, God's been doing this for me through a book that I've been reading, a book that my brother Jim gave me for my birthday that's called Gentle and Lowly by Dane Ortland. And I've been reading this book very slowly, kind of chewing on it, reading a chapter a day or every couple days. And each chapter takes just one verse and unpacks it in such a way that it reveals the heart of Christ, the heart of Christ for sinners, the heart of Christ for those who are suffering. And there have been several times in this past, the past couple months when God has spoken very personally to me through what I was reading in one of these chapters. The Holy Spirit used the particular verse from God's word in the chapter to breathe new life into me, to remind me of how Jesus sees me and how deeply he loves me. Because here's the thing, that is ultimately what we need when we feel like we're in the valley of dry bones. The thing that you need, actually, when you're in the valley is not necessarily for your circumstances to change. What you need to know when you're in the valley of dry bones is that Jesus is there with you and that he loves you and that he's breathing new life into you. He hasn't abandoned you. That although we deserve to be under the curse of God for our sin, Jesus has taken our curse for us. Though we deserve to be exiled from God, Jesus was exiled for us on the cross. Instead of leaving us dead and dried out, Jesus has given us new life. And so I want to close by reading for you a passage from this book. One that really spoke to me, and I'm hoping and praying that maybe it'll speak to you today too no matter what circumstance you may be going through. The verse from this, the chapter that this comes from is the verse John 6, 37. That says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. So hear this. This is what Dane Ortland writes. He imagines a, a, a conversation between us and God. He writes, no, wait, we say, cautiously approaching Jesus. You don't understand, Jesus. I've really messed up in all kinds of ways. 
I know, he responds. You know most of me, sure, certainly more than what others see, but there's perversity down inside me that is hidden from everyone. Jesus says, I know it all. Well, the thing is, it isn't just my past. It's my present, too. Jesus says, I understand. But I don't know if I can break free of this anytime soon. That's the only kind of person I'm here to help. The burden is heavy and heavier all the time then let me carry it. It's too much to bear. Not for me. You don't get it. My offenses aren't directed toward others. They're against you, Jesus. And I am the one most suited to forgive them. But the more ugliness in me you discover, the sooner you'll get fed up with me. And Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. Can these bones live? Yes. I will put my spirit in you, and you will live. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that sometimes we feel like we are in the valley of dry bones because of our circumstances. Sometimes we feel like you've abandoned us. And Lord, when we acknowledge the reality of our sin, we know that apart from you, that spiritually we are dead. We can't save ourselves. We can't breathe night life into ourselves, and our only hope is for you to do it. And so, Lord, wherever we may be today, whether we're feeling like you could never forgive that thing that I've done, you, you can't forgive me again after I've sinned against you again the same way, and, or we feel like you've abandoned us, Lord, whatever it is, we pray that your spirit would breathe life into us that you'd speak to us, Lord, that you will never cast us away. That no matter how abandoned we may be feeling, that you have been abandoned for us so that we could be brought back to you. You'd put your spirit within us. Breathe life into us, Lord. We need it. We need your spirit. Give life to these dry bones of ours that we would praise you for who you are and for what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.